0: Welcome to the Ghostly Gallery podcast, a place where we explore the world of horror in film, television, books, and popular culture. Well, greetings, everyone. My name is Bruce Markison, co-host for the podcast, the Ghostly Gallery. And as always, I'm joined by our producer and co-host, Tracy Asteria. Tracy, hello. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Bruce. We survived another storm here in Nova Scotia. One of those weird ones. You don't know if you need a shovel, a rowboat, or maybe a pair of figure skates. But um, we're here and we're doing great. <laughs> How's your winter you? is
0: going? They're going to film uh, the sequel to the day after tomorrow. There, it's an <laughs> incredible winter that you have gone through. Yeah. Uh, speaking of films, I want to talk just a minute about an interesting film project before we get to our main attraction this week. I thought we'd talk for a moment, Tracy, about this new Frankenstein film project starring Christian Bale. You might have seen on the Internet some of the pictures of him. He's got a shaved head in preparation for that role. And the filming is going to begin very shortly. You were the one who let me know about this. So you've got a lot of interest in this film.
1: I do. I'm really excited. I like Christian Bale. And, you know, when I heard that Maggie Gyllenhaal was involved in the production, this is her production. And I believe it's going to be shown on Netflix. And it just started filming not too long ago. So I just my eyes are open. I can't wait for this to show up soon, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As you mentioned, Maggie Gyllenhaal is the director. The cast includes some really A-list actors, Peter Skarsgård, who's always great, uh, Penelope Cruz, Annette Bening, uh, who's still making films all these years later. She is in it as well. You know, obviously, I have no idea how good the film is. Nobody does at this point. But one thing that we know, Christian Bale is going to give a full effort. He has made uh, a, a number of wonderful movies, including some from the horror genre. We know how great he was in American Psycho. Mm -hmm. He's such a disturbing, but also at times a very funny character in that movie. And then he also did the great movie for Netflix, which came out just over a year ago, The Pale Blue Eye. And I thought he was terrific in that. Uh, You know, he's going to be good and he's going to give a full effort. So if the script is halfway decent and the supporting cast is decent and certainly looks like it, looks like the chances of this being good are pretty high up there.
1: I, I definitely agree. And another one to keep on your radar, Bruce, um, there's another new Frankenstein movie that is just starting production too with Guillermo de, del Toro. Um, it, it is his movie that's coming out. I'm not sure where it's going to be. I think it might be on Netflix. But um, another one just to kind of keep your eyes open for. He's fascinating as well. But yeah. And
0: he's a guy who loves those old films, the Universal yeah. Studios classics. He pays a lot of respect and homage to those in the efforts that he does. And, and that's certainly something that we appreciate from, from him. Well, we talked a little bit about Christian Bale and someone who worked with Christian Bale, coincidentally enough, is our featured guest this week. And that is a very talented and versatile actor, Richie Coster. Richie has starred in such films as the remake of Rear Window. He's been in the absolutely terrific classic The Dark Knight, the vampire movie Let Me In. And he's also been featured in the original Walking Dead TV series, which is certainly my favorite of all those shows that have come out. I first met Richie when I I moved into upstate New York way back in the mid-1990s. He was on the verge of embarking on a career in Hollywood and since then, he has compiled about 60 credits in film and TV and has established a reputation, I think, as one of the best character actors around. We're very glad to have with us Richie Costa. Richie, welcome to the Ghostly Gallery. It's great to have you. Hello. Um, hello, both. Thank you. And it was a very kind introduction. Thank you very much. Well, I, I hope it was an accurate one. I think it was. I think very highly of your your talents and... I think about a couple of conversations that we had at the old Doubleday Cafe as you were getting set to embark on Hollywood and and you have certainly done very well for you uh, for yourself. Before we talk about that part of your life, let's let's go back even further. You are originally from London, that's where you grew up. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Richie, how you first became interested in movies and television growing up there. Um So I was at school, I was about
2: um, 14 or 15, and um, I wanted to be an astronaut, Uh, I think, because I thought it was the only thing that would get me closer to Star Wars, uh, which absolutely changed my life when I saw it. I saw it uh, the first night it opened in London. And I was nine or ten years old, and I, I, I wanted to be an astronaut thereafter. But some sensible part in my head was, was saying maybe I should be a journalist. Hmm. Uh I, I, I got to tell a story. We, we had a careers fair at school when I was fourteen. We, you know, where all the people from various industries and jobs come to the school and tell you how to get work with them and my mum took me to the careers fair and she said my son wants to be an astronaut and god damn you you're going to tell him how he's going to be an astronaut Mm -hmm. and somebody said well he's either got to be really good at physics or he joins the RAF and maybe they'll take a pilot Um, both of those sounded like awfully hard work to me Mm. as did becoming a journalist and so I was a bit nonplussed, and then I did a school play, my first school play, and I enjoyed it immensely. And, and people told me I was rather good at it. And then I did another school play, and then another one, and and I forget who it was. Somebody made the stupid remark that I could do this professionally, and mm-hmm. um, and to tell you the truth, it seemed like the easiest option at the time um i was a bright kid i mean i was doing well at school and we were i went to a very um a very good academic school but i was just getting bored of it all and you know if i have a defining feature it's my laziness
1: <laughs>
2: and so I, I i getting into drama school um on the strength of an audition Seemed like a lot less work than getting into a university, an academic university, uh, academic university, on the strength of my exam result. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I pushed myself, and then I managed to get into a very good drama school in London. Um, left and became an unemployed actor in 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 London for a few years, uh, odd walk on parts, to play here or there, but. Um, I hadn't really grown up yet and I didn't understand how to devote myself to something or, or commit to it. I was just waiting for it to happen for me. And of course, you know, for 99.99999.5% of the acting population, it doesn't just happen. You have to work very hard at it. Um, long story short, uh, I followed a woman to America. um, Via Cooperstown, I followed her to Manhattan thereafter, and um, it did just happen for me. I um, was serving somebody at a bar, and um, they were an actor, a friend of a friend, and they took a shine to me, and they told me that their agent was looking to take on more more clients. So he hooked me up there and the agent, uh, I had a very long, lovely talk with the agent and he knew there was an English play coming up in New York City uh, a month thereafter. And um, so took me on as a client. So in the end, I did just stumble into it. Um, And that was uh, 35, 30 years ago, I think then. Yeah.
0: Richie, let's step back for a moment. You mentioned Star Wars. Tracy, like a lot of our listeners, huge fan. You became uh, a real fan of that right from the start. You loved it. Star Wars. There was, there was, when the first Star Wars came
2: out, um, I went to the cinema nine times to see it. Um, You know, this is before VHS and beta even this, you know, you had to go get the bus to the cinema and I went nine times, I think, in um, two weeks, and for a couple of years after that, I think it was the subjects. I think it consumed my every waking moment for for a long while there. Wow. Um, and that carried on with Empire Strikes Back, and by the time we turned the Jedi came around, I'd, my enthusiasm it's had dimmed a little. Um, yeah. Did you have
0: I, a favorite character in the in those movies? R two D two. Really?
2: Yeah, R two D two. Sorry, I won't go into pre- um, prequel bashing, but what they did with R two D two in the prequels just enraged me so much. There's a there's a there's a shot in The Empire Strikes Back um, when uh, Luke is on Dagova with um, Yoda. And it's a rainy, rainy evening, and Luke is in Yoda's hut, mm-hmm. and R2D2 is outside in the rain, and you just see him go on tiptoe to look through this little round window, and and that shot was the very epitome of 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 Star Wars for me. It was so, it was funny and charming and unexpected, and um drab and and everything wasn't shiny and it was just charming. Um yeah. and then jump jump uh, forward 15 years or so and they've got R2 D2 flying around on little rockets coming out of his legs and I thought, oh well that's the epitome of where it went wrong as well. <laughs> um I wanted to be in the Millennium Falcon so much Uh, I think my choice to be an actor was as much influenced by Star Wars as anything, because having come to the conclusion that uh, actually becoming an astronaut and flying a spaceship would seem like way too much hard work, um, I'd do it by, hopefully at one point, acting as a spaceman. And I did a TV pilot about uh, 15, 20 years ago called uh, Virtuality. And I was in it with a friend, Eric Jensen, a very, very talented actor and a lovely guy. And, and we both played part of the crew of a spaceship. And there were shots where we were in the cockpit together. And the spaceship was flying through space and we were pretending to pilot. And between shots, we just looked at each other and we realized that, you know, we'd come to that moment. That we'd always been praying about, where we were as close to flying the Millennium Falcon as we were ever going to get. It was lovely,
0: nice. nice. Um,
2: so I think that I think that's how and why I'm here at the moment is ultimately Star Wars is there at, at, at its very genesis.
0: Richie, when you were growing up with these films back in the seventies and nineteen eighties. Were you particularly a fan of some of the legendary British actors people like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, were these guys that you followed closely?
2: Not that I followed closely, but you know horror movies were hammer horror. Um I didn't go to the, I was too young to go to the cinema in the 70s at least uh, to go and see horror movies, so it's just what what was shown on TV on our three channels, our three networks at the time. And all the the horror I remember from deep childhood was Hammer Horror, Peter Cushing and, mm. um, and uh, Christopher Lee, Dracula, uh, the Master of the Red Death, the premature burial. Um, and some of them were really quite me. And then I remember the omen was shown oh. on TV. And <laughs> it was I realized what horror could be. It scared the bejesus out of me, the omen, and then the exorcist thereafter. Uh but but hammer horror was it for for my you know, my very formative years. Uh the Wicker Man, there's another one that was oh, yeah. prominent when I was very young, which is still very effective today.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. From The Omen, great British actor David Warner.
2: Yeah, not many people know about David Warner. He was fantastic. Yeah. He was the photographer, wasn't
0: he? That's
2: right. It's beheaded by a
0: sheet of glass. Yeah. Uh, Difficult scene to watch. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Um, But emblematic of what that film was all about. Any other actors, Richie, that were strong influences on you growing up? Um, Richard Burton
2: has always been a hero of mine because he was a hero of my father's. Um, my father loved that working class boy made good to become the, you know, just about the most successful man in the world. Um, so we were always made to, to watch Richard Burton, um, I didn't really appreciate him until later. Um, Yeah, he was quite prominent. Um, I'm trying to think who else was um, Sean Connery because of James Bond, of course. Mm -mm. I can't stop thinking about David Warner now, just because it's a (laughs) name I hadn't thought about for ages. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Also, the the fella that played um, Merlin in Excalibur. I'd be very impressed if you could name who that was. Nicole Williamson, something like That's that? That's right,
0: yes. Excellent. Um, Excellent memory there.
2: There were these actors that were fantastic and were like a, a rung below the... Tom Courtney's and the Albert Finneys and the uh, and the Richard Burtons but just incredible leading men and character actors mostly um, carrying the demon drink on their shoulders uh, reputations of being hard to work with the work dried up but these great great actors from um, from the 70s that we all knew and we all knew they were fantastic actors but they didn't quite they didn't quite reach that, uh, those summits. I thought Ian Holm was going to be one of those. Uh, but he kind of got his foot in the door, and I think a, a great part of that was to do with Alien, um, mm. which happens to be my favourite horror film, um, if not my favourite film of all time anyway. I mean, what a cast was in that film. Ian Holm, John Hurt, Yafek um, Koto, Sigourney Weaver, of course. That great woman, not Sigourney Weaver. Prizes for anyone that can think of her name. Um, Note that one. I'll have,
0: I'll have to work on that. But one of my favorite actors also in that film, still alive, is in his 90s now, Tom Skerritt. I was trying to think. It's Tom Skerritt. Is he in his 90s? Yes. He was always just turned 90, yeah.
2: Such a lovely actor, wasn't he? I think something about Alien, um, why it works to this day, I think it was still so greatly influenced by 70s filmmaking because the actors have so much space in that film. You know who those people are and you recognize them. And and also that that thing Ridley Scott said about I wanted this to be like truckers in space. I wanted this to be blue collar workers in this in this what for them is a normal environment that 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 gets violated by this thing. But the actors have so much space in that. Likewise, in um in the thing, Carpenter's the thing. Uh like, movie. The Jaws. I mean. Can we call Jaws a horror film? I'd like to do so.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Okay,
2: then that is my favourite movie of all time, and and just the space given to those three gentlemen to explore character and 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 I think that's I think that's why the horror of those films is so effective. Is because it's happening to these people that you know and if not care about are deeply interested in. Um, I went off topic there, didn't I?
1: I went. No, that's excellent. <laughs> I
2: went a wild tangent.
1: <laughs> oh, you've talked about some really great movies, though, honestly. Um, in in your opinion, what is your favorite genre of, you know, movie or TV series to watch in your free time or even your preference for performing? Do you have a preference for what kind of roles you like to take? Um.
2: Preference for the roles I like to take, it. I'm kind of limited in choice because, let's face it, they don't give me any roles unless it's the heavy. Uh, I mean, I'd love to go dancing through a field of cornflowers in a rom-com, but it's just not going to happen. Um, um, I'm, I have this career of playing various psychopaths, serial killers, and mob bosses. Um on stage as well. Uh, I, I, I love doing stage work. I love I, I love doing it all, to tell the truth. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I don't mean to sound so easily pleased by it all, but honestly, whatever comes my way, I'm just in rapture while I'm doing it.
1: Nice. I, I appreciate that answer, though. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to to explore different things, different things that you'd like to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I used to think that um, I wanted just to be a stage actor because that's the one that I enjoyed the most and that's the one that um, I understood the most. And I felt up until comparatively recently that I was still a well-intentioned amateur on the set, whether it be a TV set or a movie set, because I didn't quite understand what was going on. And I think, to so the truth, that's still a little bit so... But I've found, after all these years, I have found the space to find the joy of it. Right. Uh, I remember John Malkovich said that um, screen work is is pretty much a dead medium. If you tried to design, um, if you tried to design a system to take all the spontaneity and life out of a out of an actor, you couldn't do it any better than to to put a TV or film set there and I agreed with that for a long time, but now I'm trying to, now I'm finding the space in there. And in that space, I'm finding that I can fill it with joy because, uh, after all these years, it has all become about joy for me. If I'm not having mm-hmm. a good time, then why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, yes, they pay me well. Um, when I do work. And yes, it's very interesting. And I really, really enjoy all the people, but I no longer want to. I don't have the time left any anymore to do things that I don't enjoy. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: And I just don't have the time anymore. There's the, the clock is ticking. Um I haven't done much horror. I'd love to do more horror. Um I enjoy I enjoy all the science fiction that I've done. Um, I've worked with the, uh, the actor Oscar Isaac a few times, twice on stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he did a Hamlet about six, seven years ago in New York, and I was in that. And he's a he's a lovely fellow, and 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 I think he's a wildly talented actor. But he'd come in for a few. There are days where he'd come in and, like, how are you, Oscar? He's like, oh, God, I spent spent all day in that bloody warehouse in Brooklyn. What were you doing? Oh, were we were doing reshoots on the Star Wars movies. So it's where they set up the green screen. And so I'd been dodging laser bolts, pretending to dodge laser bolts all day in front of a green screen. And inside, some part of me was saying, oh, my God, how? You're living the dream. How, <laughs> how could you not be thrilled and happy about the way you spent your day?
1: That's right.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, you mentioned, Richie, that you've you've done a lot of these villainous roles, but here's the thing about it: they're all different. You're a chameleon, you have a different appearance, your accents run the gamut just about every continent in the world. I mean, you do American, English, European. You know, every one of your villainous portrayals is distinct from another. That, To me, that's one of the impressive things about you.
2: When I'm feeling cynical about myself, I just say, oh, it's, it's just a com- different configuration of fatal hair. <laughs> 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 you know, go the mustache <laughs> and shave off the bit at the end of the chin, and there's another performance right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if I'm also feeling... Uh, cynical about myself, I could say that some of those accents are not entirely accurate. Ah, they're believable, though.
1: Yes, very much so. <laughs>
2: yeah. but thank you. I mean, it, it's 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 taken me a long time to be able to say that there are not many pieces of work that I've done that I'm actually proud of. Uh, however, that being said, I've reached the point where I have a career that I'm proud of. I have mm. a body of work. I've been in this business for decades long enough that I can actually be proud of what I do because I I do know how to do it after 35 40 years. Um there's something that happens every now and again which is that I set a step on a set and I'm made aware that the crew maybe the rest of the cast, maybe the director, they actually know who I am and they know that I've been in the business for a long time and there is a level of respect that is paid accordingly. Yeah. It's immensely gratifying. That feeling when it happens, the recognition that's what's going on. Um, If I can afford to, I'd do it for free just for that feeling. It's so Mm. deeply um, affecting. Um, But yeah, I have bounced all over the world. The Far East, I haven't done yet. And I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Richie, let's go back to when you weren't known. Your first film, and this is when, what was the first role I saw you in, 1998, the television movie remake of Rear Window. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that role came about for you.
2: I actually heard that it was being made. And my initial reaction was, oh God, why can't they stop just remaking stuff? Um, it sounded gimmicky. Uh, and I think I sneered. A couple of days later, I was offered an audition for it and I became immensely enthusiastic about the project, of course. Um, got the job uh had a really good time making it it was a really good set we were filming out in yonkers and it was just a lovely cast and crew and everybody everybody gave a couple of inches more because we all wanted it to work so well for chris reeve reeve um and that that too was deeply affecting working with him um, I can't watch it i d i um I stopped watching what I do years ago um mostly yeah uh I don't like what I did in it however um it's fascinating to watch Mr
0: eves. Let's talk more about him. I was a big fan of his uh this was his first acting role after that horrific accident that he was involved with. It's amazing what he was able to do in coming back from a near fatal injury there. What was he like to work with? Um, he was very kind. He was very
2: committed uh There were shots we took where I was meant to be cutting his oxygen oxygen tube uh where he asked that his ox his actual oxygen tube actually get cut so him gasping for air thereafter um was was true and i remember a a thought in my head as that was happening okay richie now is the time to take things too far and I started mocking him in his in his efforts to breathe um, which in the end he loved, but it felt at the time like some sort of sacrilege, and I felt the power of committing sacrilege. It was an immensely empowering moment for me um, but then they said cut, and I became rich again and very, very worried and and apologetic. But I'll say this, I I wasn't comfortable being in his presence. Uh, It was alarming to see a man surrounded by so much machinery that was there solely with the purpose of keeping him alive and functional. Uh, He was pretty much immobile except for his eyes. And he had these beautiful, beautiful blue eyes. And so much life was pouring out of these eyes. Uh, So much life. It was a laser intensity. It was very, very difficult to hold his gaze.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, And I wished, I wish that I could go back and do that again and lean into it a little more because... I'd love to have engaged him in deeper conversation than I actually did. Uh, because I think he was a remarkably interesting fellow and very, very, very intelligent. There was intelligence burning out of those eyes. That was incredible. It was a little like looking at the sun. You couldn't, you couldn't hold, you couldn't hold that look for too long. Yeah. Um, the drive behind him was incredible. Uh and I, I I I watched it and I, I can't say I liked it and I wanted it to be better for him. You know, I wanted it to I wanted it to be more uncomfortable or something as as a piece of work. It it it, it was a little easy to watch and I wanted it to be uncomfortable uh and truer. Um but it a lovely a lovely memory uh that I haven't actually thought about for a little while until you reminded me and also so long ago um,
0: Richie, did you watch the original with Jimmy Stewart and Raymond Burr in the villainous role as a yeah. way to prepare for this um no i just I'd just seen it along the
2: way, and um I was um I was taken with the notion of following in Raymond Burr's footsteps as being the villain of the uh Rear Window um it's a great film and yeah. I, I wish the TV remake had been ha, had been as great I think I think he was he was worthy of that you know
0: well it's hard yeah. to it's hard to match a classic like that it's it's one of Hitchcock's best films my wife absolutely loves it. I think it might be her favorite because she's not really into the horror of the birds and Psycho and some of those movies. I thought you guys did a good job with it, though, as as Thank remakes you. go. I thought yeah. it was very solid. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And I'll be honest, I just saw that movie for the first time over the weekend and <clears throat> I had never saw the remake version that you guys had done. And I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought your performance was excellent. Um, You know, I felt myself there, you know, looking through the window as Christopher was and, you know, just like watching you across. And, you know, it was kind of scary. Like it was just, I don't know. It I was afraid of you. <laughs> well,
2: it was around this time that I, 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 I started to get the notion that, hang on a second, I, I do these roles. Uh, people are very complimentary and say that they're, 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 they're affected by it, and it's frightening. I started to realize around that time, it's very easy for me to be creepy. I think, I think basically, in some manner, I must be a very, very creepy man, because I don't turn on creepiness. Sometimes I'm trying to do a performance and, and trying to play it deeply charming, and yet they say, "Oh, that was so creepy! Well done, Richie. How did you do? That That <laughs> was so scary and creepy." Uh, and I think to myself, "Oh, well, that was my that was my best Peter O'Toole charming."
1: acting oh Oh my goodness well I'll tell you the scene where you are coming up and the elevator doors open my heart literally stopped when I saw those doors open and you standing there I remember in that room and I was like oh my gosh what is going to happen and it it just kind of like spiraled from there I was like I was like holding on to my pillow and I'm like what
2: the heck is going on <laughs> i don't mean but- to um i hope i'm not ruining a moment but i remember <laughs> seeing that scene and i remember thinking oh my god this is going to be a really effective shot because i'm pretty much going to be in a kind of silhouette and they're just giving me this uh the wardrobe department just giving me this lovely expensive leather blazer to wear and um in the half an hour leading up to that leading up to that shot
1: Oh my gosh! In front
2: trying to work out like, how's my silhouette going to be most effective on this one?
1: Oh man. <laughs> it was very effective. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> when we look at your resume, I think it's safe to say that the best film that you've ever done, and it's an absolute classic, is 2008, The Dark Knight it wasn't even nominated for the academy award it should have been and a lot of people think it should have won for whatever reason it wasn't but what what a story told by Christopher Nolan what a cast you had people like keith ledger christian bale and we talked about earlier michael caine gary oldman tell us what it was like to be on that set i mean you guys had to know this is going to be fantastic I, it was one of I'm,
2: I'm a I'm a bad judge of scripts. Um, I knew the moment I read that script that this was something remarkable. Uh, I worked very hard to get that role. Is it in one respect? This is what the experience was like. It was I'd been on big movies before, but not this big, and it felt like it felt like waiting at a train station and suddenly this huge locomotive comes thundering past and a hand reaches out and grabs me by the nape of the neck and just picks me up and I go along for the ride for a couple of stops and then I'm dropped off at at the next train station and the locomotive thunders on just because that production was so huge. Um, it was when I finally understood the massive amounts of money moving around. Um, sometimes that's what a movie set is. It's just waves of money just moving everywhere. And that's when I first saw that. There was that aspect to it, just, which was quite, kind of humbling, realizing that one is a very small cog in a very large, powerful machine. There were other aspects to doing that job. I, I realized I had to. To the prospect of playing a villain in that movie, um, when surrounded by the likes of Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, um, Michael Caine, um, Eric um, Roberts just rather heavy hitters and men that had all odds, all of them, I've seen them be very frightening. And I realized that if I just did my usual mob boss, villain performance, I was going to disappear on the screen just because I couldn't out tough these guys. I couldn't out presence these guys. Um, they were all leagues above me. So I tried to find something quizzical and odd mm. in that performance. Um Christopher Nolan said to me when I was auditioning for that role, that he didn't know what that character was and he'd like me to define it for him, but he suspected it was the power behind the throne. But I found that's not what he wrote. He wrote something completely different. um, So I always thought of it as – I thought of it in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, He wanted Lee Van Cleef. I found that he'd written Eli Waller, Um, one of my favorite performances of all time, incidentally. Uh, So I tried to give him that that kind of odd, slightly animalistic, venal, craven – negotiator and i don't think it's what he wanted but it's what he got uh and the difference between what i was providing and what he wanted got quite uncomfortable at times that being said it was a wonderful experience uh going to chicago going back to england to film it's the only time I've ever been back to film anything since I moved over here years ago. Mm. Um, the first time I saw what Heath Ledger was doing as the Joker, uh, it, it really was uh, in in many ways a pinnacle of uh, of of the years I've been acting. Just just in the quality and intenseness, the vividness of that experience was wonderful. And and it's a great film, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah. Ultimately, was Nolan happy with what you did?
2: I don't know. Um, I thought, I think, I thought not. But then he'd left me in the movie and cut me out (laughs) uh, and was very generous with screen time with me as well. And though I didn't audition, he did do an availability check on me for uh, Inception. So in some ways he was still interested in using me, mm. um, but when he and I parted, uh, maybe it was just paranoia on my part, being so scared of in being such a big movie. I felt that I disappointed him in some ways, but like I said, he 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 um, he ended up using the performance. He could have cut me out of that movie entirely. Or just to a minimum, but I think I think that character is still there, and I think I made the right choice. <laughs> you know, if I had gone for Lee Van Cleef, I think I would have been just another mid-level tough guy actor, um, which I didn't want to be in that film. I wanted to. That line, "My dogs are hungry," I knew if I if I came at that at the right at the right angle, it's a line people would remember. Um, it's all over youtube that line too <laughs> it, there's a great youtube video of a, an actor a comedian pretending to be me doing that line over and over again and somebody else is off camera trying to give me direction pretending to be uh a yeah. director um it's a, i watch it a lot more than is appropriate because i find it really funny
0: was that accent difficult to do uh
2: I started with um a very good voice coach to get Serbian uh Chechnyan rather. In the end I fell into the Eastern Europe Eastern European accent I do everything that's east of Paris. <laughs> 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 Which comes so easy to me. Um I don't think it's specifically correct to any particular place in the Europe, but it's mine and I'm fond of it. Yeah.
0: I have to ask you about Heath Ledger. It turned out to be, I believe, a second to last film before his untimely death. It's an amazing role. It's one that some people feel took a lot out of him. Obviously, he put a, a tremendous effort into it. What was it like in those moments when you weren't filming and you were watching him and seeing what he was doing, you must've been mesmerized by it
2: I was mesmerized. And I have to admit when, when he first, the first couple of takes where he was doing his thing, I thought, you're not going to do that. Are you, <laughs> but he did. And then I worked with him for two days. No, uh, for two days. And then another day, a couple of weeks later. And, um, the two days we were doing a big kitchen scene, a scene where all the bad guys meet in a kitchen underground. And we didn't mix. I didn't talk to him a lot because between takes, he was off in a corner, chain-smoking cigarettes and pacing and muttering to himself. And some people on the set were like, oh, he's, he's too good to mix with the rest of the cast, or background people. And I said, the man is so obviously concentrating and t- trying to keep, in a place and then the last day we worked together it was his last day and it was my last day and we talked a bit more and when we finished it gave me a massive big hug and i would not in a million years claim to have any knowledge of his ledger whatsoever because i was with him for three days um i have no particular insight into the man. I, I, I didn't know him. I could only tell you what I experienced. And that was a fellow actor who was in the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And they knew it and they were enjoying it. It was so lovely to be around, to be with a fellow actor who was having that much fun doing what they were doing. Now, I've heard all the stories about what it did to him and his preparation and all that, and and I can't speak to any of that. Myself, I suspect that, you know, as happens so often in in the movie industry, is that a kind of mystique is encouraged, fabricated to make it all seem... Harder and more interesting than it actually is. What it actually yeah. is is this game of pretend that we all play. We play pretend well, or we play pretend poorly. But I, I saw a really happy man. You know, it made me envious. You know, there is. A, I feel that as an actor, in a handful of times in a career, you find yourself in what I call the state of grace well, you're just in the right position and you've just made the right choices and and you're flying and it's effortless. And it's, it's happened once or twice for me and it is a high like nothing I've ever experienced. And um, that's what I felt was going on with Heath Ledger there. He looked to be having so much fun and I hope he was. And my God, what a performance
0: um when you heard the news that he had died it must have been devastating
2: he's a fellow i worked with for a few years um you know, it's, it's never particularly pleasant to hear that anyone's died I, I i can't a couple of people called me up and said are you all right Heath Ledger's just died and i'm like yeah we we weren't friends um I didn't know him and he didn't know me. What I felt was God, that's a shame because f- apart from just another man still being alive, wouldn't that be wonderful instead of dead? Just as an actor, can you imagine what he would have given us in these years? Oh yeah. From then until now. I mean, he was an extraordinary actor. Um like Christian Bell, he was he was that kind of act. you know. That mm. They don't give bad performances. It's it's just it's just on the spectrum of how deeply interesting and fascinating that particular performance is. Um I knew his wife. I felt for her. Uh I knew they had a child, I felt I felt for the child. It it. it I wouldn't say I was devastated. It was pretty damn
0: horrible, though. Yeah, here you had just worked with a guy when he was really at the top of his game. And he's still so idea? young. I think he was in his early 30s. And as you say, it it makes you wonder what would have happened. Uh, it's been about 15 years now since his passing. But I have to believe he would have become. I mean, he was already a star, but he potentially would have become a superstar uh, in Hollywood.
2: I think what's remarkable about that performance and about a lot of Heath Ledger's career is he was an audacious actor. And I think there are very few things I respect as much in an actor as audacity. One of my favorite actors is Peter O'Toole, and the audacity of most of his performance is just breathtaking. The exuberance of it. It was an an exuberant performance, Uh, exuberance, audacity. These are the things I really dig in in actors, but, but sorry, you were, you were about to say.
0: Well, a movie that came out just two years later uh, is one that Tracy would like to ask you about. And I think it's the only vampire film you've done. Let me in.
1: Yeah. 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 I I would love to hear a little bit more about working on that set. Like, like Bruce said, I just watched that movie for the first time again this past weekend and it, it was great, great storyline, and I was really fascinated with it. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what it was like to to be there.
2: It was a really happy experience, that was. It was and it all felt a li- it all felt a little weird because we shot in New Mexico in the area around uh, Santa Fe and um What's the name um, of that big city?
1: Why can't I Phoenix?
2: No, um, New Mexico. Tucson? Nope. Oh,
1: Mm -hmm. Los Los Alamos?
2: Yeah, Los Alamos. (laughs) And um, where the balloon festival is, the hot air balloon.
1: Oh, gosh. We were
2: in New Mexico. I was staying (laughs) in a uh, casino in the middle of of nowhere, and I was just finding – New Mexico to be such there's a strangeness in the air. Maybe it's the desert, I don't know. But and the presence of Los Alamos with its history. Um oh, the town where where they shot Breaking Bad. Albuquerque? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Okay. Which is the strangest of cities in and of itself.
0: There was just a weirdness in the air. Okay. And I had the wrong state. I had Phoenix and Tucson, which of course are in Arizona. And you were talking about New Mexico.
2: And I'm English, so I had no idea you were in the room. That strangeness kind of crept into the set. Everything was a little spooky in the most delicious way. Um, um, I came, I stayed in a casino for a little while, um, and I'd go away, and then I'd come back, and... I that the 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 young lad that played in that film I forget Uh, his name
1: oh my goodness um
2: Cody Smith McGee I'm just making that name up was so impressive um and Elias Koteas was in that film, and I've worked with Elias before, and I think of him as a friend. And it was so lovely to to be around him again. There's a drastically underused actor for you.
1: Mm. Oh, he's excellent, he's, absolutely excellent.
2: He is the actor that I say this in the nicest possible way. He, hopefully, um, he's like a predator on the hunt for the role. Right. I mean, he, he you know, I've seen actors that do their background work, but Elias comes into work with a binder that's this thick. And <laughs> you know that every, every pronoun and verb <laughs> has a whole section that you can thumb to. Um, And then he's completely effortless in front of the camera because of all that background work that he's done. And he is he's like a predator on on the hunt for it um a very um looked at in one light he's a very scary man it's quite intimidating but also i happen to know it's about joy with him as well um what a lovely actor uh i never saw the film in the end let me in was it good
1: Oh, it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. When you talk about kind of like, you know, the aura around like kind of being creepy, the whole movie was creepy, like just creepy vibe to it. And when the two children are together in almost every scene, it's kind of like echoey, like they're in a different universe. It's I've never seen a movie like that. It was just I think it was really, really well done. And it was very creepy for a horror movie. I really loved it.
2: I need to watch it because I do like, there are there are a few of them I can think of. Um, 28 Days Later. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> don't Look Now. There are a handful of horror movies I can think of that every moment of the film is infused with a kind of dread mm-hmm. that you can't put your finger on, but you know it's there and it's making you feel, The hairs stand up in your arms and you feel slightly nauseous and I'd love to see I'd love to watch Let Me In to see if it's one of those films because it was certainly there
1: oh man I like I said I really enjoyed it I'd be curious to see what you think of it if you get a chance to kind of like watch
2: it thank
1: you Yes, please do. I mean, holy cow! Like I, I was telling Bruce before we went on air that I was really surprised. I wasn't really sure what to expect, but man, it was good. It was it really just good. Was the
2: original as well.
1: I haven't, but that is on my list next to watch the original Swedish Let version. the right one. In. Yeah,
2: people believe yeah. about it.
1: Exactly. So it's kind of like on my docket to watch probably this coming weekend. So yeah, I'm. We'll the, that.
0: the young actress Chloe Grace Moretz, she wow. was still a child mm-hmm. at the point. Uh, at that point, she's become a big star since then.
2: Right, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the two of them. Um, the young lad, I think he might have ended up being in the road with Viggo Mortensen. Um, just breathtaking to see them on set, the way they carried themselves. Yeah. And yet also not in that kind of child actor, creepy, kind of worried for them way.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: they knew they why they were there and they knew what they were doing and they knew they were good at it. But there wasn't an arrogance to it. Yeah.
0: It Richie, let's talk about your recent effort in The Walking Dead, one of my favorite shows. <laughs> you became part of the cast in 2021, playing the character of Pope. But I have read, and you can hopefully confirm that this is true, that you actually auditioned for the part of Negan several years earlier. Is that true?
2: Yeah, that is true. Uh, I'd actually, I think before they gave me the role of Pope, I'd auditioned for The Walking Dead. I can't remember if it was four or five times. And one of the times was Negan. Um, At the time, I was not a viewer. Nor had I read the comics, so I had to do some catching up to find out who Negan was, but I wanted that role really badly. And small man that I am, when I don't get a role, uh, I will either boycott the piece itself or <laughs> watch it and feel completely and utterly resentful and envious of the actor that ended up doing the role. But, um, but watching him play Negan, uh, he was lovely just uh, the effortless charm of of that man, that actor and that character. It was lovely. Uh and, and so I could quite easily watch it because when, when they finally did give me a role to do, uh Jan, my wife and myself, we binge watched the whole thing. Um I think we watched I think we skipped our episode um season Two or two and three, but we did everything else right up to the to where this season was starting to shoot. Mm-hmm. So we did the whole savior's War, the Whisperers War, all of it. Um and I loved it. I did find that every now and again you could be forgiven for fast forwarding through a couple of long conversations between characters. <laughs>
0: um
2: but it was a lovely experience that I think Jan and I spent a week, two weeks, just watching it every moment that we had. And it was a lovely week or two. I really enjoyed that. And then, um, the job was great as well. It was a really happy memory doing that job. And, um, I so wanted it to last. They told me it was just going to be four episodes, and then I was going to be killed. And I was determined to be as good as possible to make them change their minds and say, "Okay, Richie, we've had a rethink, and now you're going to be a regular on the." G-. Well, but no, after four episodes, and to so add insult to injury, stabbed in the head as mm-hmm. soon as I was dead. So I didn't even get to be a zombie. Um, oh, jeez. And I'm a big fan of the zombie genre and I've been working on my zombie for over a decade. It's pretty damn good. Uh it was their loss, not mine, because God, I'd love to I'd love to have been a walker for an episode or two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot Thanks. of fans were upset yeah. when they killed your character off after I think only four episodes. Yeah. They they really were not happy about it. Uh and I'm sure you got some some mail or uh, some kind of feedback from people saying hey uh, we wish we wish you had a longer stint with that television show um the death that you had on screen uh, is there any ambiguity there any chance they could bring you back for one Mm -hmm. of these countless other series no (laughs) um
2: i always used to joke well you know maybe pope will get his own children's animated spin-off show. Um didn't happen. Uh, everyone else is getting a spin-off show. But no, there was no ambiguity to it. And I, I understood completely what was going on. It was the it was the shell game. They were setting me up as the next big baddie. Mm. Suddenly there's a knife in my neck and my and I'm dead because Leah, the the character that was having a relationship with um w- with Daryl Dixon. Uh, was it was to set her up. I completely understood it. And, you know, I I do say that I tried to get them to change their minds. But, but no, I knew why they were doing it. Um, I just wish it had been a longer job because the first episode they gave me, there was four episodes, and, and uh, the first episode, which is pretty much Pope from beginning to end, uh, when they first sent me that script and offered me that role, I thought a mistake had been made somewhere in The Walking Dead office. Uh, and and somebody looked at it, somebody else and said, "Hang on a sec, who did you send that script to?" And it was Costa, like you said. I'm like, no, that script was meant to go to Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh God, now we've got Richie Costa on the show. Oh God. Okay, <laughs> well let's try and get this over with as quick as possible um that's what i saw in my head because i'm like oh my god it was such a good episode and the writing came in that episode was so good i couldn't believe it was happening it was i was so happy and i worked so hard in preparation for that job um every every job i get i try and compile a notebook of random ideas and pictures and colors and influences and that and like you know after a week I get bored and the notebook gets discarded with about 10 pages filled up, but I filled my notebook for Pope for walking dead. Um, mm-hmm. and I still look at it every now and again, cause it was really good and really fun because I was so enjoying the preparation. I don't usually do a lot of preparation for roles, but I was so enjoying the preparation for that just because the skeleton that they've given me is, was, was so, there was so much room for fun in there. um, and it was also a lovely job because they, they put me up and uh, they put me and Jan up um, the little village in, 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 in Georgia where they, the, they used as Alexandria. They put actors up there, uh, certain actors they put there to stay while they're filming. So we lived in the house that was Rick's house in Alexandria. Um,
1: oh my gosh! Wow, it
2: was so much fun, and it was such a lovely little strange, surreal experience of living in this kind of gated community with these huge iron zombie fences all around it, and a security guard at the gate because inevitably, twenty-four hours a day, there were there were Walking Dead fans dressed as zombies at the gates of the gated community. <laughs> um, it was just it was just surreal and lovely, and they were a lovely casting crew as well.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's like being a part of history, though, because that show is huge, and it's been on for a very long time. So that's a sweet little spot in kind of like TV history. Yeah. Have you watched any of
2: the spinoffs? I haven't, though.
1: I haven't. Um, I've got catching up to do on The Walking Dead, but um, it's it's it'll be there probably in a year or two. I'll have a chance to kind of watch the spinoffs and other spin offs and more spin offs, whatever. <laughs> exactly.
2: I've been, I've been warned against watching Fear the Walking Dead, um, but I want to watch it because um, one of my oldest friends is a, is an actor called Lenny James, who's on mm-hmm. Fear the Walking Dead uh, playing Morgan, who's been there since the, the pilot of the original Walking Dead.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, the fear of the walking dead, I did catch, I think maybe one or two episodes when it originally came on like a while ago, but I haven't seen anything since. No,
2: me neither. Me neither. But Lenny's such a lovely guy and a lovely actor. I'd love to catch up on what he's doing.
1: I have another question for you if you have time. I've got all the time in the world. Oh, awesome. I wanted to touch base on a project that you're working on. Um, it's Mina and Lucy's Guide to Slaying Dracula. Now, I was I was just doing some research on some of your work, and when that popped up, I was like, oh, no, that is interesting. So I gave the trailer a little listen, and it sounds so fun. Can, can you talk about your role in that?
2: Uh, I, I play Dracula. Um, the most cliched over the top uh sesame street dracula you've ever heard and i loved every minute of it um i remember talking to the director of it and they we were talking about accent and they said do you want to do your own accent do you want to do like an english accent he could be you know it could, he could have picked up an English accent along the way. And I said, well, why don't we do an English accent with a slight tinge of Eastern European? Hmm. Yeah, OK, let's try that. And so I started doing it for them. And, and progressively, each take, it went further and further away from English with a tinge of Eastern European to just doing my same old. It's the same accent I did for that movie, mm. <laughs> and 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 I and I listen to it, and I'm like, yep, that's pretty much exactly the Dracula from Sesame Street. <laughs> but it's a lovely show. It's really nice. Like, it's, it's just it's just fun and ebullient. It really is.
1: Oh, nice! That's I. I saw like I went to the website and looked around, and I was like, "Now I've got to take some time and listen to some of those episodes." I hope
2: a lot of people do because I I think the the scripts were just so charming, and the performances, myself aside, are just lovely. Uh, there's a there's a certain enjoyment to listening to my performance. The enjoyment
0: of going, "Oh my god, he's doing a fancy Easter." I, would I can't love, wait to listen <laughs> i would love to see you starring as a vampire in a horror film whether it's dracula or count yorga or whatever the character
2: i audition i think you'd be sensational in it. remember 30 days of night oh yeah i i remember auditioning for that that was a great script and the comic was fantastic and i'd love to have been in that yeah playing a vampire
0: those were very harsh vampires. They were very harsh very, they, they had no romantic side to no. them at all. <laughs> it
2: kind of reminded me, did you, did you ever see a vampire movie called Near Dark?
0: Uh, yes, with um a Bill Paxton, right?
2: Bill Paxton and what's his name? Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen, yeah. Yeah, great Made movie, the great movie. By, uh, what's her face? She directed Hurt Locker. Um. I know who Damn, you're talking about. I don't remember the name. Yeah. But it's everyone missed it. I think it's a hidden little gem that everyone missed in the 80s. I'd love to see it again because that was a great vampire film. Yeah.
0: Well, Richie, this has been great. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I was really looking forward to this interview, and you did not disappoint at all. <laughs> uh, we love your recollections of your career, and uh, we look forward to seeing a lot more of you and, and maybe as you said earlier, maybe some more horror roles. That would be a lot of fun as well. Um, Richie, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, th- it was so much fun. Um, thank you.
2: You might be sending me away now, but for the rest of the evening, I'm going to be looking at my computer telling stories as if you were still there. <laughs> you've made me feel like talking now.
0: Thank you. So- well, we'd love to have yeah. you on again. If, if, um, if that's something you're amenable to doing. Yeah. You've, it's been great reliving some of the uh, memories that I have of you. We only met a couple times back in the 1990s, but yeah, uh, the, yeah I remember. It does bring <laughs> back uh, your personality. Um, you're so different from these villainous roles. Uh, Richie, uh, one of the nicest guys uh, I've ever met in the industry, and and when you lived in Cooperstown uh one of the nicest people uh, that i had a chance to associate with uh in this area uh, again our guest uh, richie Coster. he has starred in such films as rear window the dark knight let me in jacob's ladder the original version of the walking dead tv series uh those are you know his horror uh, slash uh, thriller type roles but he's done many others as well over the years and uh We hope to continue to see him on the big screen, maybe even the little screen as well. Uh, Joined him in uh, Law & Order. I was just watching the uh, final episode for Sam Waterston, and uh, Richie had some interesting exchanges with Sam's character on Law & Order as well, to say the least. Richie, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All the best to you both. Thanks, Richie. Thank you, Tracy. We thank everybody for joining us in this Museum of the Macabre. And we hope that you'll be with us next time, right here in the Ghostly Gallery.